Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to introduce you to the Union GK Premium. With Premium, you'll get vetted pro players and coaches, interactive breakdown sessions, and exclusive content from top names. Want to try it free for 30 days? Go to unionsports.com slash content slash join. Or download the app free at the Union GK on Apple or Google Play stores. Thanks for making the union possible. And on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, taking a little bit of a break from all the craziness going on in the NWSL, the one and only 99 World Cup winner, CBS Paramount Plus commentator, Suskia Weber, and joining us, an actual doctor on the podcast. <laughs> pretty darn amazing. From IMG Academy, we've got Dr. Ryan Carr joining us. Dr. Carr, how are you? That I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm going into something way more important than goalkeeping. I'm doing great. I'm doing great and so pumped to be here and meeting both of you. I mean, we're we're excited about it, man. You know, um so for people who are out there who kind of aren't familiar with kind of what you do at IMG, why don't you just kind of give everybody kind of a lay of the land there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a mental performance coach with IMG Academy um, amongst various other entities. And I help athletes perform at their best when they need it most. And I've done that for a number of years through strength and conditioning at various colleges. Um, my own training as a goalkeeper in college. But then uh, I really wanted to further my knowledge because working with thousands of athletes over a number of years, I realized they're all pretty fast. They all can jump. They all, <laughs> you know, goalkeepers specifically, a lot of them can fly. Most of them can make good decisions a lot of the time, but the hardest things to deal with is between the ears. And that goes for, you know, soccer across the, every sport I've worked with, football, squash, water polo, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're speaking to somebody right here who, who was a world-class athlete herself, <laughs> and she knows a lot about the mental game with the fact that she was a psych major and spent a lot of time uh, working on that. And I mean, Suskia, obviously, you know, you've, you've been involved at the highest of levels and obviously coaching at the collegiate level at UCLA. How much of it really was between the ears when it came down to when you're looking at recruits and when you're looking about putting lineups together and all that? Well, so much of it. I mean, we've talked about that in the past, Mike, where like even with when I came into UCLA, some some of my goalkeepers, they were such amazing goalkeepers with so much potential. But some of them wanted to quit because of what they had gone through in the previous years with previous coaches that had just like kind of destroyed them mentally um, and to kind of have to break that down and rebuild it. Um, I'm glad I was able to and and um, had the support behind me to help do that. But it is, it really is because, you know, the, the difference between some goalkeepers and a lot are, is this much. It's, it's just, you can't even count it, but you know, it comes down to the mental aspect of it. How do you, how do you respond to, you know, letting up a goal? How do you respond to negative feedback? How do you, you know, how do you help pump up your team? How are you as a leader? Like, you know, so. Yeah. And, and by the way, Ryan, feel free to step in anytime. You don't need to wait for a question or anything like that. So it's just a panel discussion. Um, but, but, but I do want to ask you, you know, obviously you were a goalkeeper yourself and I'd say you'd still consider yourself a goalkeeper uh, among but all the hats that you wear. <laughs> <laughs> it's a badge of honor forever. <laughs> Does that give you a certain amount of, uh, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, street cred when you're talking to these young goalkeepers? Yeah, I mean, 100 percent. Right. When you're in between the pipes, when you're on the pitch, when you've done the work um, in the environment, that's super important. I mean, you cannot stress that enough. You've got to be able to walk the walk, which is why I still play, honestly. Like, I play because I love the game, but I also want to put myself in the players that I coach. I want to put myself in their shoes as often as possible. Uh, and I think having that street cred of being able to step out there with a college team and like rock it and still play is, it's super important. I'm going to do that until I physically cannot do it anymore. But I think equally as important is getting the formal credentials and the education that our athletes deserve. 
Um, so we can coach them as best we can. Now, I chose to go a certain path, which took me to a master's degree and a doctor degree. That's not for everybody, which is totally cool. But I think that you've got to go the proper routes um, to make sure that you're getting those credentials as well, which is why I'm super passionate about just giving back to the community. Go ahead, Sus. No, I just I agree. I think that one of the biggest strengths you have as a coach at any level, but is that identification and especially as a goalkeeper, like to be able to stand there and try to explain things to Lauren and Hannah and everybody, but saying like them knowing, like, I've been through it. I've been there. I understand what's going through your head right now. I I can see it in your demeanor and everything. I've done it. Like, let's get through it. This is how I got through it. Um, it, It goes, it goes so far. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and, and and I think you know one of the things, Ryan, that you touched on, or should I call you Doctor Carr? I, I'm not no, sure just how I should be. How should you I can should call be. me Ryan, or or you can call <laughs> me Carr? <laughs> That's what my teammates call me. Um. By the way, do you play in like a med? I, I I hope there's like a men's league that's just like it's just medical professionals, so it's just all you guys out there. <laughs> no, no, I play in a league up here in Lake Tahoe, California, um, which is super fun and, and good to get out. And then I train with our college teams whenever I can. That's unreal, man. You get to live in Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe I, I knew California. that you were going to say that. You're going to be like, wow. <laughs> I would love to live in Lake Tahoe. Bunch That's of Cali folks I- out here. I'm just a little north of you guys. So. What What's amazing, though, is that like people are like, well, wait a second. He just said IMG. How, how does he do this? It's like, it's like, what's the, it's the wonders of the interweb, everybody. Crazy. He's able yeah. to, to do it uh, virtually. Um, I, I do want to ask you this, though, because like the thing is, is that you brought up the whole thing about getting an education you said, look, not everybody has to get a doctorate and everything. Do you feel that there's a lot of a, a lack of, uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there and that a lot of young coaches don't treat this with the same respect that they do getting their Federation license, for instance. Yeah. You're saying sports psychology. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, look, there's a lot of charlatans out there, which is why I have absolutely zero tolerance for them to be quite honest, because if you're, if you're going to work with young athletes, college athletes, professional athletes, like those kids, young ladies, young men, they're bringing everything they have to every session. So I think like we as coaches, we got to do the same. And it can't just be, you know, reading a couple books or looking up some cool stuff on the Internet that looks really sexy and everything. And it's like, no, there is science behind this field of sports psychology. It's not just throwing a, a, a motivational video and it's like yeah get hyped up and now go do this run through a brick wall no like we're all human beings who have human experience who have lives that are going on outside of the pitch so we've got to understand our thoughts our feelings our emotions and we've got to be aware of that if we're not aware of those things i call it the three a's right you got awareness of what the heck is going on between your ears then you've got to be able to accept what is going on between your ears, whether that's anxiety, frustration, anger, sadness, excitement, um, then you've got to create an action plan. So be aware, then accept. And now what's your next best action plan? Great. You just let up a terrible goal. That sucks. Guess what? The game is going to start in 30 seconds. So you better figure yourself out. And that might happen through diaphragmatic breathing. It might happen through self-talk. It might help happen through a performance routine that you do every time that you get a goal scored upon you. All of these things can reestablish a sense of control, reduce anxiety, and let us get back to what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, my dad owns a boxing gym in Philadelphia, and he has a saying. It's called, what we teach is real. And if we're going to teach real stuff, then we've got to go through the real routes to get that information. Man, you're just you're just making me think right here. You know, Suska, I, I I remember I was talking to uh, it was actually at a federation course uh, years ago that Tim Mulqueen was running, and uh, and we had Tim Howard come on uh, to chat a little bit with us. And this is back when he was playing at Everton, and somebody had talked about warm ups because you know they were so hey what you know Tim Howard what is what is your what is your warm up you know before and they started trying to they wanted to write it down because they wanted to know about the activities that he was doing and he literally just went he's like he's like I. She's like, my warm up is for me personally mm-hmm. to get myself into the mindset to be able to prepare to, for the game, to do the actions in the game. It is not about the activities that I'm doing. Yeah. No, I mean, even with with me, like with my starter, I would sit down and say, what what do you what are we doing for your warm up? 
It's not as a coach, it wasn't like, this is the warm up, this is how it goes, this is the repetitions, everything like that. It was like, hey, Lauren, like, what are the activities in succession that you need to do other than what you're doing mentally, like in the locker room, like, you know, all the little quirks and everything we all have. But once you're out there, what's what is the flow that you need to get you there? And then we tailored the warm up to that. It wasn't, this is my, I'm Saskia, this is our cookie cutter warm up. Every goalie has to figure it out and conform to it. Now, that being said, because Lauren was the starter, it was curtailed to get Lauren ready. And then the other goalkeepers would have input as well. And then they would do some stuff for themselves on the side. And then they would be kind of molded into that. But it, yeah, it's not, you can't just say, oh, this is the warm up. That's what everybody should do. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I love that. I love that you said that because like involving our keepers into what they're ultimately are going to be doing, like soccer is an autonomous sport. Like that's why I love it so much. You can't call timeout like in basketball. You can't like control every play. Go out and play and we can do as much as we can from the sideline, but we've got to create autonomous athletes who are competent in what they're doing and then have that social support that they like feel feel hyped up when they're doing what they're about to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I love the fact that you just brought that up, Ryan, because like the thing is to said, this is something that Suskia is always very passionate about. And, it, and this is going to, you know, cur- you know, go into our topic today, which is going to be like the mindset of the GK. But you're you, Suskia, you always bring up joystick coaching. You always bring up joystick coaching. And you say even at the collegiate level, how many young athletes are turning around and looking at you for guidance on what to do during the game because they've been taught, they've basically been programmed that way to look for the answers from somebody else. Yeah, also because, and I was going to bring that with Ryan, is a lot of what's going on in between your head. Is it is it because it's you or is it because you're feeling a responsibility to acknowledge that you've made a mistake? Right. So you see a lot of kids and and they go through like uh, they let up a bad goal and they get in their head and 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 it becomes very like pronounced that you let up a bad goal. Why are you doing that? Like, are you doing that for me? I know you let up a bad goal. You know, (laughs) you know, I see somebody, you know, shank a ball and then they turn to me like, I know you shank the ball. Focus like it's okay, You know, so what is going on in your mind? Like if you can shut it off saying that you have to answer to me in the run of a game and just say, okay, I strength the ball. And now let's move on from it. Yeah. Then that, that takes away that sense of responsibility to identify that you've made a mistake. We all know you made the mistake. Yeah, I you agree. Know? I think the more that players are looking over at the bench, that just tells yeah. me that the less secure they are, yeah. the less exactly. confident they are. It's like, Hey, get on with it. Next one. One of our players was sitting on the bench next to me, our field players and said, why does she keep looking at you? And I go, Oh, I know she's looking at me and I wouldn't look at her. And then at one point I'd be like, what? And I'm like, like focus. Like, I know, like, you know what I mean? Like you don't need any justification. It's okay. Like, come on. (laughs) I think it comes down to like a primal thing. I think of, I have a two young kids and one of them is almost three. And when he's about to do something that he's like, not really sure. And probably maybe edging towards like, this isn't the best idea. What do they do? They look at mom and dad and they're like, uh, for that approval. It's right. like, you know what you're about to do. I'm not giving you anything. Like you make that decision and then you can live <laughs> with the consequences and then we're going to figure it out as long as you're not right. going to. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like looking at me when you make a mistake for me to say it's okay, know that it's okay Yeah. and move on from it. You don't yeah. need me at this point in your career to tell you it's okay. Sure. <laughs> like, do, do either one of you guys ever ever get this when you're working with younger goalkeepers? And it's something that I've I've been trying to work with them in and trying to find the right way in my behaviors to address it so that they don't become self-conscious about it, but and, and it also rectifies the situation. A lot of foundational goalkeepers have trouble keeping sight of the ball because they're looking at the coach yeah. to see if they agree with their actions. And that's why they're losing the ball, not because they physically can't do it well, but because they're looking at me. But it's also, it also goes back to joystick coaching, which is what I said, like, like that I hate it's they're not making the decisions for themselves, whether right or wrong, they're waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. So then the onus on their decision isn't on themselves. So like, let's say it's coming for a through ball, right? They don't go for the through ball. And then you hear the coach say, 
Mike, go! You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you go. Well, we all know as goalkeepers, that means you're already a second or two seconds behind and you're just yeah. screwed, right? Mm -hmm. So so when you have coaches that do that or like field players that call keeper for you, you know that's the thing I hate the oh, absolute yeah. oh, yeah. most. No time right? for that. If I, if I didn't call keeper, then play it out, right? Yeah. Don't call keeper yeah. for me because You'll now everybody – Right. Now, if, now, should I have called keeper? Maybe, but I didn't. And so if I didn't come for the ball, don't tell me to come. It's already too late. So yeah. I didn't come to the call for, for the ball. Now the next situation is now what am I going to do? Yeah. I didn't come. So now I have to put myself in the right position. But yeah. do, so that's that joystick coaching that you're just sitting there going like, guys, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, before we go into the topic, I just I'm just curious, just because obviously you have a, a pretty pretty solid playing background, and obviously a really solid sports performance background as well too. Uh, for the people out there who, who aren't as as familiar, definitely look at his uh, LinkedIn. Makes mine look like nothing. Uh, man, talk about impressive. But uh, I, I what made you decide to make this 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 pivot into sports psychology? I'm so glad you brought that up. So it all started with goalkeeping. Right. So I played, you know, club in New Jersey and then went to the University of, of Hartford. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone played in New Jersey. All goalkeepers come from New Jersey. That's right. <laughs> right. I'm from way down south, Ocean City, New Jersey. Right. So um, it started there. It started with a fantastic back in the day high school program that was just like really strong. We won two state titles um, and we had a culture there that was just like super strong and um, yeah, super fun. I go to University of Hartford. I get a full scholarship. I'm a starting goalkeeper there for four years. My first year, I absolutely get my butt kicked, like just letting up mistake after mistake after mistake, um, get a chance. I get benched. Another keeper comes in. He doesn't perform well. I get put back in, get it like the second chance you never get. So long story short, my senior year, we get a new coach, Dan Gaspar, world-renowned yeah. coach. Fantastic. So he comes in my senior year and I'll never forget. We're coming back from a game at like UVM or university of New Hampshire or something. And I go up to the front of the bus. I'm like, Dan coach, you know, I'd, I'd love to play at the next level. He's like, all right, let's go. Two months later, he makes some calls, gets me into the major league soccer combine. So it's 2006. I'm playing at a mid major at best school. We're not that good, but I have a lot of action. I'm in the best shape of my life as a keeper. Could I have made it? Yeah. I'm traveling from Philadelphia out to uh, Los Angeles for the MLS combine and something changes. I start feeling different. Like I've never felt before. My legs are heavy. My palms are sweaty. I can't really eat. I'm not sleeping well. I get there and for four days, I play the worst soccer of my life. When I have busted my backside for the past 20 years to be at my best for this moment, I'm, I'm walking Hermosa beach, Redonda beach. I just walk for like 10 hours <laughs> And I asked myself one question, why? Why, when I needed to be at my best, was I at my worst? And why could I not control it? And why could I not pick up the phone and call my family, my friends, because I was too embarrassed, right? And I didn't know the answer then. So I went on a journey, um, sport performance, strength conditioning, for a number of years at a lot of schools in the East Coast. And then I saw a major when I was working at Seton Hall University, sports psychology. I'm like, oh. Here's my why. Right. So I do my master's in that. And then I just wanted to give back because I never wanted another goalkeeper or specifically any athlete to experience the massive failure or embarrassment that I did on that long weekend. And like, that's my passion. That's my mission. That's why I'm here. Well, I've been there. I've, I'll never, no, I'll never forget. We were getting ready to go to Portugal with the U.S. Women's National Team. I was still at Rutgers. Um, but I was on the U.S. team and we had the U.S. team came in and trained at Rutgers. And so mm. we were training. We were training in the bubble because it was early spring yep. and we had to do fitness. And so we had to do cold shuttles. Right. Mm. And I have I'm fit as all can be. I run these all the time, like yep. can pass could pass them all the time. So we go in and my entire Rutgers soccer team is there. The entire team watching, sitting on Actually. the sideline, watching us run fitness, my coach and everything, I couldn't get through two shuttles without mm. feeling like my legs were in cement. Yep. Um, I couldn't do damn thing. Yeah. And I couldn't run. 
and the the inner anxiety and and everything was so overwhelming and this is the one time i did fitness with anson that he added extras on if you missed mm -hmm. i wanted to die because yeah. i i knew i was fit and michelle akers was like that's it we know you're fit you know and but that mental anxiety that i didn't even really necessarily identify until yeah. i got on that line and literally up back up back next one up back and i might as well somebody might as well shot me in the legs which like, is crazy you're in the best shape of your life it makes yeah. no sense right but that's the power of the mind where it yep. can drag us down like a huge anchor but it's cool on the flip side how it can also do that much for as much damage as it did for you on that day and me on that weekend we can also flip it on its head and it can help us that much which is super mm -hmm. cool Kate Markgraf, who's the GM of the U.S. national team, 99er with me, had the same experience mm. and I got so in her head and overwhelmed the first national team camp she ever came into. I was there yeah. for it and we were running for, and she basically couldn't get through it. Yeah. And it was such a traumatic, she'll tell you the story. It was such a traumatic experience for her that she refused to come back into camp for two years. Yeah. Now she's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But she refused to come back because it was such a traumatic experience for her. Yeah. And I think this is these are the conversations that like we need to be having because I guarantee 90 percent of the goalkeepers and the coaches who listen to this, we've all experienced it. But who talks about it? Right. Like, this needs to be something that's normalized. So it doesn't get to that scale when it's our biggest moment. We got to be at our best. We, but we've received no psychological or mental skills training to be at our best when we need it most. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, my, my passion is just to get all of this embedded into what we already do. It's not, Hey, go speak to Ryan on the side over there. Don't tell anybody. No, man, <laughs> what we do. I'm coming out to the field. We're doing warm up. We're doing cool down. It's embedded. It's on the sidelines. It's in the back of the line. Like this is part of just what we do. And, and I love Ryan that you brought up the fact of like, it, this has to be normalized. Like, and I think we're doing a better job now as youth coaches as, yeah. as to normalizing this, but yeah, still, there's still a lot of players out there that, especially young players that have this insecurity that like, oh, I must be broken. There must be yeah. something wrong with me yeah. if I need to go to Ryan. You don't you know, need to be fixed. Need... You're not broken. Yeah. Like, how could we ever expect somebody to, I don't know, do a squat, do a lunge, do a step up if they've never been taught? Like, that's not their fault. <laughs> We as coaches need to embed some simple mental skills training into what we already do. So, so, so let's get a little bit into the, into this topic right here, which is the, the mindset of the GK. So I'm going to move on from here right here. So Ryan, so obviously this is, you know, this is your background right here for people who are, who are not familiar. Is there anything specifically on here that you want to bring up before we, we move on from it? No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> you're like, no, nah. you're like, I, I, I did all the hard work and uh, <laughs> I'll just let it speak for itself. Um, Okay. So talk a little bit about mental toughness and why this is something that's so passionate to you. Yeah. I mean, I think I described it just when it came to my own personal experience, but time and time again, like I would see athletes of every domain, every sport, uh, every age experience something that held them back. And normally it was between the ears. So watching that as a college strength conditioning coach for I don't know 10 or 15 years before I went back to formally get educated in sports psych. Yeah. That, that was the main reason I kind of got into it. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, I, I think the Suski, you know, the thing that I, the mental toughness thing, and I like, you know, when you were talking about learning how to do squats and, and everything. And sometimes I think the word toughness sometimes Suski is, is a uh, miscommunicated, um, because, you know, like a player injures their ankle and it's like, ah, you got to be tough. You got to stay out there or whatever. Um, or, you know, mental toughness, you give up three goals. Ah, you got to be tough. You got to stay out there. You got to stick through it. Um, you know, what, what, what does that toughness, mental toughness really mean to you, Susk? You know, as somebody who's been at that level. Toughness. Uh... <laughs> I'm not putting it, you on the spot with your. No, it's fine. It's degree. fine. No, it's just it can mean so many things. It's just it's it's being aware, honestly, of 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 where you're at, of what you're going through, and how to get yourself through it. It's it's not like it's not ignoring what's going on by being tough, which is I think a, a you know a wrong way to put it. It's actually being aware of and how, how to work through the tools that you're given by, you know, 
a mental health, mental health coach and stuff to get through things. That's toughness to me. It's, it's the identification of um, weaknesses and strengths and how to work through it. I love that you brought up uh, not ignoring, right? Because how many, Mm -hmm. how many times do we as coaches talk to our goalkeepers and we're like, you know, you're down, you let up a bad goal or there's, some crazy fans that are shouting at you. They know everything about you. And what do people say? <laughs> oh, I just ignore that. Well, yes. he played there. Play at, play at UConn if you want to hear some fans. I got my backside <laughs> crushed six or eight nothing at UConn. And they knew my girlfriend's name, my mom's name. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Say it, it about say, UConn. Oh, my God. No, UConn. They, and yeah. they would move. You would yep. move. From one, they would move behind your goal. You go to the other side. The next half, they come behind your goal. They knew your name. They knew your parents' name. They knew your dog's name. They knew everything. Yeah, same with Cornell. (laughs) It was brutal in the Northeast. Absolutely. That that was like before social media. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) They know this stuff. Yeah, you had to do some really deep, solid work. You had to go into the, the library with the Dewey <laughs> Decimal System to find all this information. Yeah. You had to make phone calls and stuff, like yeah. finding this out. But they were – that's the first thing that came to my head because I knew you played up there. Yeah, you come. <laughs> Ryan, I want to bring up the whole pretending thing um, because that's something I've never actually thought of before. Um that you have to be honest with yourself about what you're going through. And if you're putting on a facade, people are going to notice that and it's going to actually be negatively effective. Yeah. I mean, authenticity, we, we've got to be ourself. Like if, if I'm, I, w- I always look at, let's look at like peak performance state or like arousal level. All three of us might be going into goal in the same game. Circumstances are the same. Maybe it's a regular league game or a championship game. It doesn't matter. We all on a scale of one to 10 may be different where 10, I need to be super hyped up. One, I need to be like super chill and mellow. And if we don't know what that number is for each one of us, awareness, you're in trouble. Like if you're trying to be a 10, when you really, you need to chill out mm-hmm. to get to your peak performance state and you need to be like a three or a four, you're going to be over aroused and over anxious, right? Um, so I think that's super important that we're aware of that number. And then you've got to back it in with the pre-performance routines to help you get there or the self-talk to help you get there or the imagery to help you get there yeah. or fill in the blank with what works best for you in terms of mental skill. I also think that coaches, it's it, coaches need to identify. We talk about this all the time, Mike, that everybody's <laughs> different. And so you can't come in and you have this with, with young especially young goalkeepers and stuff, they come in and they think, okay, she's the starter. He's the starter. I have to be like them. I have to be, if they're super hyped, then I'm supposed to be super hyped. So I'm doing something wrong. That's them. That's their preparation. That's their, how they identify how they're like mentally dialed in. It might not be you. Like you might be super quiet in a corner doing like your mental imagery and stuff like that. And they might be like listening to, I don't know, do a Lipa in the corner and like partying their butts off. And that's how they get ready. I don't know. But you know, it's very important for the coaches to identify to their players that everybody's different. It's not one size fits all. And I think, you know, Brian, I think that's something also too, that young coaches need to recognize. And it's a mistake I made when I was a younger coach. And I know we've talked about this Saskia, on the air here too, but is that, Oh, well, this is, this is my mindset. So this person, why isn't this person doing this the way I would do it? Why aren't they all excited and hyped up? Why aren't they dancing right now? Why aren't they listening to hardcore music? Like everyone's got a different routine and like, Ryan, how do we help find out what the, the arousal level that is more optimal for each goalkeeper? Yeah, I think you've got to know your people. And Mm -hmm. I always, I call it the space between. The space between when I would be traveling with uh, soccer teams, basketball teams, whatever it was as a sport performance coach, the space between is when you're walking from the locker room out to the pitch. That is crucial time. Oh my gosh, yes. When you're walking from the pitch back to the locker room, when you're in the airport, when you're on the bus, when you're in the hotel lobby waiting because the bus is late, that is that is uh, mental performance coaches or sports psychologists. That is our dream time because it's not the hour long sit down that you make the biggest difference. It's that five, seven, 10 minutes here, there, having a meal that you've got to get to know your people. And 
if you don't do that and you're just like, nope, everybody's got to be like this, it's not going to work. Now I want to listen to The Space Between by Dave Matthews. You're the second person that told me that when I used that. I, I, I love that song. So good. I love that song. Jersey. What? Guys, if you want to check, guys, if you want to check out uh, Siskel Weber's new Dave Matthews podcast, it's available on Spotify. Now I'm like totally like going to put that on when we get off of this. Go ahead. So, so let's talk about these these key dimensions. A uh, lot going on right here, Ryan. I'm not gonna lie. A lot lot going on here. Um, yeah. So th this is like this is my passion because I spent three and a half years working on this for my dissertation. So backstory, I did a 13 week interventional study with a soccer team to measure, can we build mental toughness? And these dimensions are based off of the Australian based researcher, Dr. Daniel Gucciardi. Um, he's like the lead re researcher when it came to mental toughness. So I adopted his model, full transparency and credits to him. Um, but it's important that we know what mental toughness is. First, it's a psychological state. That means that I can be mentally tough in between the goal at a variety of levels on different days. I could be mentally weak when I have to go up and do public speaking in front of my class the next morning at 8 a.m. and everything in between. So the cool thing about state is mom and dad didn't just give us mental toughness. It's something we can train, which as a coach, you're like, bingo, let's go. All right. So that being out of the way. Now, the eight key dimensions are this. I'll roll through them briefly. Attentional regulation, focusing on what you need to when you need it most. Are you focused on those UConn fans behind you screaming about your mom and your significant other? Or are you focused on organizing your left back and you know making sure you're in the right position, et cetera? Buoyancy, that's handling all your stuff off the field. Did you take care of that math test? Did you take care of that relationship with your significant other? because that's going to impact you on the field. If not, I love the idea of like, when you cross the line, I steal this from coach Dan Gaspar, we'd step up to the line before practice, whatever crap we had going on, you leave it on this side of the line. Cause when you step on the field, you're locked in laser focus. So that's buoyancy. Um, context knowledge. That's just exactly what people are doing, tuning in here and to your other podcasts, right? Like building your knowledge of the position of the game. Emotional regulation, pretty self-explanatory, never too high, never too low, but you're at the emotional levels you need to be at. And then, you know, feel free to jump in and stop me at any point. But general no, no, I was just, I was just, I'm just, I was just thinking, I was like, man, I should have had a notepad with me. Siski's <laughs> always got a notepad with her where she'll take screenshots. Yeah. Well, this is all generalized self-efficacy. That's just confidence. <laughs> like your belief in yourself, optimistic style. We all know we've all been in those locker rooms and you got like the three people over here who are the anchors dragging the whole team down. Then you got these three people over here who are super hyped, optimistic. Like you've got to have some level of, like not being chicken little, the sky is not falling on us every second of the day. Okay? If you're like that, well, we got to do some deeper work. <laughs> Overcoming you know, it. I, but, yeah, go. No, Ryan, I was just going to say that because that that is also another thing is the context is something that sometimes is so lost, especially with young goalkeepers. And it's something that I'm a victim of, not just as, as a goalkeeper, but in life in general. The stakes are always either so high or so low, but I can't find the in-between of those. So I'm either way too excited about something as in like, yeah. oh my, this is life or death or it's not that important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? I think one of the best things for that is having people in your life who aren't in the sport that mm -hmm. can offer great perspective, like awesome mentors, grandparents, like aunts, uncles, parental figure, whoever, but like people who can be like, you're so deep in it. You can't see the forest through the trees. Like you're looking at the bark on the trees, like pull yourself back. So, yeah, I think that's important. Um, um, go on. No, I, I was just going to say attention regulation. Um, this is just so fascinating to me, man. This, this is really cool. And, and I know you said you're, you're not going to take all the credit for it. And there's the other, the other doctor as well too, uh, that did this, but I, I never thought about attention regulation and I never thought about, you know, that if we're so hyper-focused, eventually we're going to be, I'm, I'm guessing, just so exhausted that we're not, we're going to shut down because we're not going to be able to, to take in any more stimuli. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, this is something before my own games, like I pull out this chart, I have a picture on my phone, favorited. 
the day of the game, like morning of, I pull it out. I'm like, all right. And I literally ask myself these questions. All right, Ryan, today, how are you going to, how are you going to practice buoyancy? Well, you know what? I'm going to get my bag together this morning with all my stuff because I know late in the afternoon when I'm going to like get my family organized, stuff hits the fan. I got all my stuff prepared. So when it does, like, I'm cool. It's all right. No big deal. I'm not like running around like crazy. How am I going to use context knowledge? Oh, I remember this one um, podcast I was doing or this or this one uh, drill I was doing with a coach and they mentioned this, this and this. Like, I'm going to keep that in mind in my warm up. Like, it's, it's that simple. You just got to make it come to life. So many of our athletes will regurgitate answers we want to hear, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. my ultimate today. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Like, make that come to life for me. Literally, what is giving it your all look like? I love what you just said right there. And, Suska, I know you've been in this position before. But I have so many young goalkeepers that, uh, that I work with. And they try to give me back like the answers I want to hear as opposed to really buying into something or saying it in their own words. And it's something that's a, that's a big pet peeve of mine, Yeah, you know, um, just because I just don't feel like they're really learning. And now I start feeling, okay, now this is becoming a therapy session for me, Ryan. It's like, <laughs> I start feeling, I was like, what did I do? What did I do wrong here? Um, all right, let's let's move on from this wheel before I, I need yeah. to invoice Ryan. Let's. Uh, <laughs> let's... <laughs> All right, so, so so this is the building blocks. It looks like here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this was essentially the study that we ran for you know a whole soccer season, and we saw a statistically significant increase in mental toughness. More importantly, having open-ended conversations at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season, athletes were like, no, I got this. Like I can deal with this. I can manage this pressure. I can handle this adversity. So they felt more mentally tough. So here's what we did in the environment. We influenced that by adding pressure training. So we shortened the field. We added rewards. We added consequences. We added video analysis. We added leaderboards. We did everything and anything we could to pressurize the environment, mm-hmm. make, make the stakes higher for our athletes. And I can't stress that enough. Like we have to struggle as athletes. We've got to struggle as coaches to get better. Like think about lifting weights. If you only lifted five pounds every day, you're going to get stronger. No, you better pick up six. And when you can do six, then you do seven. You've, we've got to stress our athletes. Pause. We have to support our athletes with the mental skills to be able to manage that stress. I've seen a ton of coaches, especially in college, beat the living crap out of their athletes, wake them up at five in the morning, run till they puke, um, put so much psychological pressure on them, yada, 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 right? I'm all in favor of those things if you're giving them the skills to manage that pressure. So that's mm-hmm. what we had to do here. We taught them how to utilize diaphragmatic breathing to self-regulate when they're too high. Um, and then we taught them motivational and instructional self-talk, again, to self-regulate and to be at their best when they need it most. I always think of the beep test now. <laughs> Especially with goalkeepers. This is I'll just tell the story. Because, you know, at the beginning of the season, the goalkeepers come up, you know, and they're just like, Coach, yo, do we have to run the beep test? Because, you know, it's for like, I go, yeah, you do. And I'm like, what's the problem? And they're like, well, well, I go, well, what? I go, it's just, it's just a gauge of where you are as an athlete. You're all athletes. I said, so, you know, I just, you know, you should be at the athletic side of the bar. And then I would say to him, I was just like, just run the test. Like, you know, like get out of your heads and I'm not punishing you. You know, we're just seeing where I'm just seeing where you're at. Yeah. You know, like if you're asking me if there's a consequence, there isn't a consequence right now. You're beating yourself up more than me making you run sprints because yeah. you didn't get a certain number again anyway. But I, I would just be like, stop. You yeah. know, you sometimes parents would call. Why does my goalkeeper have to run the beep test? Like you're like, stop, you know, and I would I like, that you do that. yeah, I would explain it to them just like. And, and, you know, I got it like it's like, oh, I remember back in the why did I have to run 120s, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> How do I have to run 120s for as a yep. goalkeeper, even on the national team? But I just did it. It was just 
number one, to be a part of the team and be oh. connected with the team because, you know, it wasn't like you were off doing something else. And, hey, look, we've taken the team through pressure training and they've all puked yeah. and stuff, so they understand what goalkeepers do. And yeah. I love that UCLA did that last season. I don't know if you've seen that video, That's Mike. That's awesome. But Wait, what but, you had the you, field players no, do? I didn't. I didn't. Marg, training? Marg, this spring, Marg and then did it. They so took good. they took the national championship. They took them through um, goalkeeper drills and stuff. It was awesome. I loved it. So good. Um, but but my point being is that it's that conversation and it's getting out of your own way as mm -hmm. a player and and like again being the right coach. Instead of saying, no, you have to get this, you have to get that, this is what we expect of you, that's not the point to this whatsoever. Saskia, yeah. I love that. I love what you said about that. That look, the sport performance and strength conditioning field would say, like, to me, oh, Ryan, like, there's no, there's absolutely no physiological reason why a goalkeeper should do the beep test or do 120s. Maybe a valid point, but guess what? What builds some team camaraderie? Exactly. What builds some leadership? And you, well, and you don't think, together sometimes. You don't think the players know that when they see the goalkeeper out there running a 120 and lagging behind or mm -hmm. struggling on like the fifth or sixth one, yeah. that they don't know that, that they don't yeah. know that they're a goalkeeper, but they still see them out there doing it. And what ends up yeah. happening with the right team and the right coaches in place is I guarantee you that the players that are done with their 120s will go out and run more run 120s right. with that goalkeeper, more shuttles with that goalkeeper, yeah. run them through the beat test with yeah. the players that are lagging. And that is what you want. That's a yeah. team. Absolutely. This this actually reminded me of years ago. I remember I forgot which Division One men's college football team, American football team, it was, where the kick there was a kicker who was um, participating in all the same activities during the preseason as the you know as the as the skills positions, mm -hmm. um, and they developed a certain level of respect. Absolutely. And. For lack of a better term, they were they were considered real football players. Well, they also worked, worked harder for him. Mm -hmm. But it's that it's it's look. I didn't gain anything knowing that you missed three one twenties or you came in late. But what I did gain is now I have a team, yeah. and now I have people that have your back. And there's a certain connection there that you build mentally that um, no no amount of clicks on a clicker or anything can like do. Hundred percent. Yeah. Ryan, I want to bring this up right here on this on on the uh, on the building blocks here, and you're, when you bring up environment, because I think, you know, this can be positively effective or negatively effective based on the environment that you've developed. And I think there's such a, for lack of a better term, um, there's a trend today to call everything a toxic environment mm -hmm. without really understanding the why of why an environment is the way it is. Do you agree? Yeah, man. I mean, look. You <laughs> I've been a part of a lot of toxic environments. <laughs> We've all seen those. You know, I hopefully I wasn't contributing to those, but being the the behind the scenes strength conditioning mental performance coach, like you're you're in it. But I've also been a part of a lot of great environments, and the common themes in the great environments is number one, it's very transparent. This is what we're doing, but it's also linked towards a common goal and the standards are the same for everyone yet the treatment or more importantly the coaching is to the individual so the standards are still up here i'm not dropping my standard for my number 10 my number one my number nine like the standards are here how i get them to get to that standard it's got to be different because we're all unique individuals and humans there's a time and a place for individuality and customization. The time and place is in the space between those conversations going out. If we're hitting 10, 120s today or whatever, like that's the standard. So we're going to do it. And if not, here's the standard of what we're going to do if we don't do it. So I think um, you build that positive or that optimistic or that optimal is probably the best word environment through uh, authenticity, transparency, having a common goal, high standards, and knowing how to get your individuals there. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to pull, pull up this one right here, you know, Susky, in regards to environment pressure training that, that, that Ryan's got. And I think, you know, you brought up something, Ryan, that, that I hadn't really even thought of before in regards to, 
you know, Hey, you know, we're not just doing the pressure training just, you know, because like, this is, this is how you work hard. And, you know, I want to get you to throw up and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so scale, like whenever you've been in that type of a situation, have you always, is that Dave Matthews? Yeah, it was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is it always one of those things where like the players are willing to buy in as long as the coach has a why on why they're doing something? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, look, players aren't stupid. You know, there's some days that it's, it's, it's a competition day. There's some, like you said, there's some days that are based on reward. Some days that, you know, like all of that and players, it's just a, it's just conversation. It's just being transparent. It's like, you know, this is, this is what we expect of you and, and so on and so forth. But they're like, players aren't stupid. You know, they, they know they're doing pressure training. Sometimes I'll, I'll be blunt. I'm like, look, we're, this is just a, this is a day where I just want all like technique thrown to the wind. If you want to say, I'm not going to sit here and like tell you your, you know, your balance on your left knee was out. I want to see the effort, you know, I want to see, I want to see the intensity. I want to see you flip that switch. Um, and just go, just let's have a day. Let's have a session. We're just going. And, you know, whether that's keep awards or whether it's pressure training or whether it's small sided games or um, some sort of shooting drills that have you moving around and just go, 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 go. You know, it's not going to be pretty. So but just communicate that. And they know. You, you know, Ryan, Yosuke just brought up a great point right there. And, and I've seen this so many times. And I've, I've again, I've been a culprit of this as well, too, is that, you know, when I'm putting sessions to get together, design sessions, you know, I'm always thinking about the, the tactical and the technical and the physical, but not the, not the emotional, not the, not the mental aspect of it. Yep. How important is it that, that goalkeeper coaches, when they're putting their session designs together, they say, okay, what do I, what am I looking to get from them mentally from this activity? Yeah, I think it's huge. And we, again, we've got to involve the goalkeepers in that mm -hmm. process. So for exactly. example, I start every session with my keepers. What's your intention today? what is your intention today here's the plan we're working on whatever shot stopping aerial balls whatever it might be what is your intention um to be consistent okay great break that down make it come to life for me what does consistency look like in shot stopping um being set at the right time go on tell me more how are you going to be set at the right time i'm gonna read the shooter's body language Cool. Awesome. All right. How are you going to get your feet in the right spot so that you can read early enough so that you're getting yourself set at the right time? So we'll go down that rabbit hole. And I don't care if that takes five minutes of the session away, but we're going to do that because if we don't have intention in what we're doing, we might as well just like not do the session. Yeah. So it's Mike, so clear. Mike, I think also to your question, you can set up a session and you as a coach have to be able to identify that it's just, there's, there is something mentally off, right? So they're not clicking, they're not getting it. And how are you going to change this? What do you have to do right now? And I, we've all been in those sessions where, you know, you're not getting the mental focus and the intensity or out of your keeper or out of your keepers and why. And so does that mean you have to back your session up a little bit? Maybe you have to back it up and say, you know what, we're going to just do simple right now. We're going to break some stuff down. I'm going to kind of deconstruct my session and we're going to start, start maybe with some basic things to get you guys in a rhythm because they're not at the point you want them to be in and why, you know, and talk to your goalkeepers because they're not always going to come out firing on all cylinders, ready to do any session you give them. There's, you know, like, like you said, Ryan, like what happened in school today? You know, like, you know, what happened with your significant other? What happened with your parents? Like what happened with another player and stuff? And so you're not a session's a session, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. So how are you going to fix it to work for you? Love that. That's a, that's such a great point, Saskia. Um, you know, and, and, and talking about, you know, what, what's happening in your prior circumstance and what, what's going on in your life, Ryan, that affects your, your self-talk, right? Because the state that you're in is going to be based on, the moment before, right? Yeah, for sure. And look, I think we've got to do some work early on. This is a, you can see this little whiteboard here, but we got to do some work <laughs> early on of setting what our, 
what our intentional self-talk is going to be when we're at our best. So we just do like a brain dump of our instructional self-talk. This goalkeeper wrote belly button centered, nose over toes, patient set, find your line, all those things. Right. And then we, we trim out like three to five of those that are their go-tos. And then we do the same thing for motivational. So then like to Saskia's point, if we are starting a session and we're trying to find that rhythm and the rhythm, it's just not there. Like something's sticky, something's going on. And I know like, can sign to see they showed up a little late. They looked flustered. I knew they had math class or whatever. Then it's like, all right, let's pause for a second. Let's, let's step off. All right. Before we start this next rep, what do you want to use instructional or motivational? Like, I just need, I just need to get out of my head. I'm going motivational. Okay, great. Brick wall. Say it three times. Now step in the net, you know, and we'll just do that reset or it's instructional for the day. Mm -hmm. But again, that's you, we got to set these foundations and teach our athletes a little bit. We call it, we go classroom first early on in the season is what we did in the study classroom, meaning we taught all of these things over like 20, 30 minutes. Then we bring them into practice, but more even imagery. Hey, you visualize, make a mistake. What's your self-talk? Then we bring it into practice. They're at the back of the line. They just let up three in a row in a shooting drill. I grab them. Hey, what's going on? All right, what self-talk? And then we bring it into the scrimmages, games. It's progression, right? I've actually literally pulled, let's say, take Lauren, for example, or somebody out and said, like, take a walk. Mm -hmm. Go. Just yep. go out of a drill, take a walk, reset, go get some water. No coach. No, no. Take a walk, shake it off. Like whether it's three, four or five goals in a row. Now I see her like mentally starting to de destruct, yep. like self-destruct. Get out of here. Take a walk, go get some water. I don't care. Shake it off. Come back. Don't come back right away. Come back. You know, cause I actually have to coach, so I can't yeah. like leave and walk with her, yeah. but she knows go take a walk, reset, yeah. you know, and you have to do that. You have to do it. I, I absolutely, I, I, this is like one of those head exploding moments. Suski loves it when I, when I say that uh, on the show. Um, but like the whole instructional motivational, like having that, this, having this prior and, and having this, this information so that the goalkeeper understands this language and they understand this process so that they now know what they need in the moment. And you can just bring it up really quickly. Like, do you need instructional? Do you need motivational? I, I think because, that's just, I've never heard that what, before. That's amazing. What, but what young goalkeepers and what goalkeepers will go to is when things are starting to crumble and fail, they'll just try harder, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. they'll just go, if you're in a drill, they'll just say, well, if I just harder, 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 mm -hmm. harder, work, work. And that's not the answer, No. right? That's not the answer because then they're just creating chaos in their mind and they're not slowing it down and actually seeing how to handle the situation or the play. They're just saying, if I throw myself, I throw myself and I go, and it just keeps crumbling. At that point, you know, and you have to, as a coach, identify the fact like, hey, okay, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is just going to shit. Like, basically. <laughs> uh, I think this kind of really moves in really, really perfectly into, into the breathing thing, because this is something that I've been trying to research a lot more of lately uh, for not only my own anxiety, but, but you know, players that I'm, I'm working with. Uh, Ryan, why don't you kind of break down this? Because I think this is something that it sounds easy, but but I don't think a lot of people know about this. No, it's crazy. It's something we do thousands and thousands and thousands of time all day long. And yet we're still usually pretty bad at it. So here's a cool picture of our, um, our athletes here in Lake Tahoe blacked out their faces. So you can't see them, but we, our classroom session was, Wait, how are you not motivated on the, look at that view. That's incredible. Yeah. It's not bad. Oh my right. Gosh. Wow. So our, our classroom was the beach this day because we just did five or six days of two a days and we, they needed a recovery day. So we did like a little half mile, mile jog down to the beach. And then we worked on diaphragmatic breathing and the research that we use was based off of Russo and colleagues, 2017, it was four to seven seconds of a breath. So inhale, usually if we're trying to reduce some anxiety, we'll inhale about two seconds, maybe three, and then exhale twice that amount. So it's one, two in, and then exhale four, three, two, one. And we were trying to teach them to breathe more through their belly or diaphragmatic breathing, uh, which is commonly practiced in like yoga and things of that nature. But we're trying to use that because it reduces stress and anxiety rather than breathing through the chest. Like when you see kids who are like, <gasps> like 
All right, try to breathe a little more. So we're teaching them that in this really chill environment, right? And then we brought this onto the field and they're in the back of a passing drill when it's not super intense, their heart rates are at like moderate, it's still warm up. Okay, take one diaphragmatic breath before you go up and you're in line for the next passing drill. Boom, then we bring it into like flying changes or a short-sighted, really intense mm -hmm. game, right? And then it was cool because by the end of the year, the reports we're getting back is, like, yo, are you still using that diaphragmatic green? Oh, yeah, when the ball goes out of bounds and it's rolling down the track, man, I use that all the time. It makes me catch my breath, but I also calm down. I'm back in the moment. So that's how we use it. Um, yeah, goal kicks, stoppages of play, offensive corner kicks. Like, you got to find the right time that works best for them. We do that with you. We did that with UCLA. It always used to be a funny thing because they used to get freshmen every year because we did it like it were at like NCAA tournament, wherever. And so, you know, everybody be laying and they practicing their breathing and sure as shit, like a couple freshmen always fall asleep. Yeah. So the team, so the team would get up and they leave. We left the field like, and we go hide or get on the bus and then eventually they come to and there's nobody there. <laughs> so what it reminds me of. That's awesome. I love it. That's a that's amazing. I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, this has one been one. This is one of the hardest things for me to do in my life is breathing. I've tried breathing through my diaphragm. It's probably why I go through throat lozenges so much when I probably shouldn't need to, um, because of the the breathing thing. So, Ryan, do you have like a like a like a like a worksheet on how to do this? Oh yeah. People maybe can can find out there because I think this would be very helpful. Yeah, for yeah, a lot absolutely. I'll share it with you. It's pretty. Yeah. It's it's. It's simpler than we think. It just takes a little bit of intention and practice. Like start with one minute a day. One breath. Nice. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I, Suska, I know you need to start getting ready because I know you've got a you got an, yeah. another thing uh, heading here. Um, you know, we've talked about coaches, you know, Ryan, in, in regards to this whole process and, and obviously youth athletes. The one thing we haven't touched on is how parents can be a positive effect <laughs> in the mindset of the goalkeeper. Um, and I'm not going to say all parents, yeah. but let's just say some parents can deconstruct all the work that yeah. somebody like yourself and the, the coaches has been putting in. So how can, yeah. how can parents be on the, on, on the right side of history? How about that? Yeah, I think that's a great question, man. And I think it starts with just like you would with a coach and a goalkeeper themselves. It's like having very clear, goals on what the goalkeeper is trying to achieve and what gets them their best. The best example of this is game day and what the relationship is on game day. For example, I had a goalkeepers um, where it was like, Hey, game day. I'm cool. My parents just drove. I used to have this myself. My parents would drive up from New Jersey to Hartford, Connecticut. So I felt obligated to hang out with them, which was great. We did it Friday night, Saturday morning. Once if I had a seven 30 game, once 12 o'clock hit, my parents knew they're grabbing their bikes. They're going for a run. They're going to do something because they don't want to be around me. And we needed to work that out to be like, well, look, we're cool. Breakfast, lunch, then we're done. And I'll talk to you after the game because yeah. I need my own space. So I think having those conversations, what do you need on game day? When we're in the car going to the, to the game, do you want to listen to hype music? Do you just want to be left alone? Like creating that relationship and whoops, whoops, sorry. And exactly what that's going to be is huge. So I think, yeah, just clear communication on that as well as after the game. Like, don't talk in the car. Do talk in the car. Just go take me for some ice cream. What is it? Yeah. yeah. So, anything you want to add to that? No, it's true. Thank God we didn't have cell phones. Like, I mean, because I'm pretty sure Wilhelmina and Travis would have been blowing me up. Um, but it, it is it's this it's the same prep rhythm. It's it's you have, you know, it's the space between and your parents have to understand what that space between means and what you do in it. And they have to respect it and realize that that's that's your prep as well. And so do the players and teammates and friends that you're with and everything like that. And if that means don't talk to me the, the day of the game, that's what it means. You know, if it means you like to grab some breakfast in the morning, if you have a night game and, and, and kind of decompress and get your mind off it, then that's what it means. But you have to verbalize that rhythm and stick to it. And like, you know, it's I like that people call it, um, you know, I had so many little what's the word for it? 
like you know you tie your shoelace to one, one way or something like that like uh, like you have little, yeah it's not habits though it's like you know i i did so many things that like whether it's not like, no people like knocking on wood right so yeah yeah your performance routines yeah. but but there's their routines and they weren't it wasn't like you know that i thought that if i didn't do something we were going to lose the game but it was just like that was my space routine that's how i got ready you know how did i walk it out how, it made you feel I, in control yep yep absolutely oh if and i don't if i don't touch the if, but that's yeah, part I don't of jump the rhythm but that's part of your rhythm. And that rhythm goes not just when you're on the field, it goes before. And I think that's what we're talking about. And your parents have to be a part of that as well to anybody listening. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it also a lot of times, you know, you know, just on that end right there, like it becomes like, oh, I miss a self-fulfilling prophecy too. If you got a parent texting you like, like, Hey, just remember to keep your feet set today, forget, you know, right before you get on the field. Or, or, or did, you know, we'll be sitting here or did you get extra yeah. tickets and stuff? It's like, yeah, Oh yeah. my God. Boy, not, not my problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also, I think, you know, for any, any parents out there who are listening, um, and I think this also goes for, for, for any sort of, any, any sort of coaches too, is that if you get defensive because you go, Oh, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. You have to listen to what's giving the feedback that's being given back to you. So if you're trying to help, you know, get your ego out of the way, maybe there's other ways that this person would prefer for you to, to yep. be of assistance, you know, I think. superstitions. Yeah. <laughs> that was the word. <laughs> <laughs> hey, superstitions is the word you're looking for. I just said it, Jessica. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Oh, right. Oh, so God. people might think they're superstitions, but they're really not superstitions. They're just you getting a routine together to make sure you're dialed in. So yes. And Jessica, thank you. Superstitions. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and also with the superstitions thing too, is like, does, is, does it, is it really happening? Does the world really making this happen? No, but, that's no, but I think I, it's self-fulfilling prophecy for me. Like if I don't jump and touch the crossbar in the middle, I'll start thinking about it during the game. It's like, but you're well, never going to turn around and say, that's why I, I let up that goal or that's why that cross you're just, it's you have. And, and there were times I thought that as well, like, Oh my gosh, like, because I didn't like do this the way I usually do it. Am I not, you know, but yep. what you're saying to yourself, am I not, am I not dialed in? Am I not prepared? And if your mind is going there during the game because you didn't jump and touch the crossbar, then guess what? You're not dialed in and you're not, you're not, you're not focused. So. I always say, I agree. I always say you need to have an A, B and a C routine. Your A routine is like, everything's going well. It's what it should be. But then part of being mentally tough is being flexible. All right, guess what? The bus was late. Now we have 10 minutes less to warm up. Go to your B routine. Then you have your C routine when everything hit the fan, there's a lightning storm. You're all right. Now you can go out, get warmed up. You're going to take five shots, volleys each side, two crosses, then I'm going. And guess what? Plan for that because it's going to happen. Oh yeah. The most mentally tough people, they can manage that. Yep. Let's be honest, everybody. If you give up a couple goals in the first half, the water bottle has to move to the other side yeah, of the goal <laughs> in the second half. It's the way it works. It's not because you didn't like, you know, touch the crossbar four times in the beginning of the game when they jump, but it's true. And, and, and you have to realize that that's just all preparation, mental, pre it's all mental preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 everybody, I appreciate everybody taking the time right here Ryan. I know you have a, a really busy schedule. You got a lot of clients that are not just goalkeepers, but, but other, other athletes as, as well too. Um, Shout out to you. I know you just recently joined the union. So uh, hope, hope, hope you're enjoying that whole experience. Super and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll, uh, we'll have you providing some uh, either, either some, some content on there or maybe some, some sessions or something like that for, uh, yeah. for our members. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, it is a free platform for youth athletes to engage with pro players and coaches away from social media, away from all the toxicity uh, in a constructive environment. You can get it on Google play or Apple stores right now we got some amazing stuff coming up on union premium if you want to check that out uh and you can reach out to ryan i believe you're at ryan on uh on the union you're making it easy for everybody right there for now you're like yeah. i love it you're, you're like pumped 
It's like it's like Prince. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I mean, the whole point is is ask questions, you guys out there. Go ahead because yeah. we want we want to be able to be accessible and you know give feedback, whether it's you know Dr. Ryan giving it back or you know or me with my superstitions giving it back <laughs> <laughs> or just playing a Dave Matthews song. I will say this though for anybody who's out there who's, who's, who's uh, sending out DMs to to coaches, um, make sure that the it's relevant to what you want to talk about, not because you're trying to connect with them about something that may they may not be able to talk to you about that uh, right now. Let's just let's just put it that way, uh, right there. I I don't know what the restrictions are regulations wise with recruiting, but uh, just be careful with all that. Um, all right, that's a weird way to end. Uh, you can reach out to us at Goalkeeper Podcast for guest or topic suggestions on the Union app, guys. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, it's at Michael Majid on the Union app, at Suskia uh, on the Union app, or at Suskia underscore Weber on all other social medias. That's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later, guys. Yeah!